This episode of the Grindhouse Podcast is dedicated to the family of George Floyd, who was senselessly murdered by a police officer in Minnesota. We also want to dedicate this entire podcast to our brothers and sisters and the Black Lives Matters movement, who are currently on the streets protesting in hopes to create a better future for all of us. We stand in solidarity with you. I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. Here we go. Yeah, you were saying about this this Antifa being declared a terrorist thing. Like it, it's um, yeah. Well, it's 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 it seems both nonsense, but it's also something that we should take note of because as a terrorist, as a classified terrorist organization, you basically lose your rights. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah. so like you don't have a right to a lawyer. You don't have a right to um, a fair trial. Uh, you can be held for as long as possible. So. By doing it, it's it's both giving into this this boogeyman that like conservatives have, but it's also potentially an exploitive like strategic play because it now it now allows them to attach the Antifa label to anyone whom they deem on the left. Yeah, pro- probably it. Yeah, because yeah, they've they've been making it like this. Um, it's a boogeyman, like you said. It's it's they've been making this thing like as if it's this uh, organization. And even the way it's, um, yeah. you know, it was just like a shorthand for anti-fascist, and I think they latched onto the uh, the Antifa thing on the on the right wing so much because it e- even sounds a little Arabic, and so yeah, it's right. like it, the word has that like Middle Eastern mystery sound that what you know white conservative people are so scared of like do, do you remember yeah, like um, the order of the 10 rings or something yeah, yeah some weird like you you had a friend that we uh so, someone we worked with once that was like a sound person and um she uh she did some score for a little short film you were doing i don't want to get too specific oh. i don't want to say names but, <clears throat> yeah uh, yeah she became now. like kind of a big um leader in this weird anti-islam uh, or, was she a leader or was she just like making crazy posts oh on no, Facebook? Oh no, she's like, like when they have their little, I mean, when this kind of stuff could still make the news, they would have their little rallies here in Austin and she would be up there, pictures of her giving speeches and up on stage the whole time. Like she became uh, pretty involved and, and um, but she's st- like toward the end of uh, my relationship as a friend of hers. Uh, you know, and I, and I think she eventually ditched, ditched me, you know, I was kind of like, she was, she used to be pretty cool yeah, and yeah. I would try to like talk she to her. She used to be but, super cool, but then but yeah, the, but know, she got the, super the, weird, the brain but, rot but she was always making these weird connections about like Antifa and the Muslims are teaming up and they've already like taken Michigan and, and it was, but there's, you know, it was like, what do you think Antifa is? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, there's not a, there's not like a Antifa world headquarters, you know, where they're training. And it was very weird, very weird. It was like, it was like this, um, almost like an Al Qaeda kind of organization. They are uh, ISIS, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in their minds. Well, it's weird. It, it's weird because, um, you know, it's like, it, it's like, it's this thing. It, it, I was, t- I was telling you earlier before we hit record, right? Like I, I watched um, The Cradle of Rock and I watched Reds and it's like a couple of movies sort of back to back that were at least set in the world of the Red Scare. Yeah. You know, where anyone who had like pro-union ideals or um, I mean, really anyone, just really anyone, anyone who wrote anything that was deemed quote unquote obscene. Yeah. Right. 
was um, was labeled a red, whatever that meant. Now, even in, I mean, even in that, like you could be someone who maybe shared in the uh, ideology of Marx without necessarily being a member of the Communist Party or any sort of connection to Russia. But it was just like this label that got slapped on uh, to to people, you know, like and 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 like it was the justification for any prosecution that occurred. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. Especially in the arts. Yeah, it got so, you're talking about in the 50s like it got so severe that um well, people 50s and the thir- and the 30s, from the 30s yeah. to the 50s uh yeah, that that whole uh 50s America culture of um, you know, everybody trying to be the same as their neighbor, have the same car, look the same and everything. That was um you know, that that was like the natural reaction to the red scare of like you know this this ideology that we you, you know the the consequences for being accused just being accused were so severe yeah yeah that people just started clinging to conformity to as uh, not stand out you know because to stand out you you great your risk gets greater the more the stranger you yeah. are you know you start listening to beatnik poetry or, or the wrong music or you're smoking a weird brand of cigarettes you know cloves or something yeah and uh, you, you, you know uh, things add up and your neighbor yeah, reports you and then you can't get a job you right know? yeah have you ever seen uh howl howl yeah the movie uh about alan ginsburg's poem no no i haven't seen that so uh, James Franco plays Allen Ginsberg, and it's actually more about the trial because his poem was uh, speaking of the beatniks, right? His poem was taken. Uh, I don't know what the the law and body was that it was, but it was taken to court as being uh, obscene and corrupting the youth, right? And it's got John Hamm who plays um, Allen Ginsberg's lawyer, and it's really more of a courtroom drama about like this thing this piece of art does it have cultural relevance or not or is it essentially literary pornography this is what the conservative minded hive mind would have you believe. Oh, okay and um and it's the same thing right it's like this was a a piece of art that was created that was representative of its time that was reflecting what this young man was seeing but because he was a homosexual because he wrote about his life in earnest and in in reality it was deemed uh, by the fear mongers as being um corrosive yeah yeah it makes sense yeah that's a pretty good movie and it, oh, it's, it's a good movie it's a pretty good yeah. movie yeah it's a good movie but like I, I think like critical rock is a great movie like if you're looking for that sort of same thing um and I just wonder, like, I just wonder, man, if, like, this is just a move for the new kind of quote-unquote red scare. Like, uh, um, speaking of The Cradle of Rock, like, uh, one of the actors in The Cradle of Rock is John Cusack, right? Which, I don't know, I know you're not on Twitter, so you probably don't, but, like, John Cusack has a Twitter. Okay. And if you've been following him, he's been documenting the protest in Chicago. And he got beat by the cops yesterday. I mean, not severely. But like they, I guess he was riding his bike, and uh, and documenting everything and commentarying on it, and, and they didn't. The, the police in Chicago didn't like him filming a car on fire, and so they came over and they started hitting him with his batons and knocking his bike over and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's insane. It's um, you know, and and, and who's to say that uh, Trump or some senator like Mitch McConnell or someone's not going to start putting uh, John Cusack on the Antifa list? You know, and starting to boycott his movies as a 
Antifa, um, what's it called? Um, uh, propaganda, right? Yeah, they might try that, but um, you know, when we, uh, it's a different world than it used to be. That's that's the truth. Uh, you know, I think um, some of the stuff that's happening, like where these you're seeing these police just getting really out of hand, especially today. I mean, today is like, and yet last night, it's it's getting really dangerous. Um, mm. And you know, Donald Trump, he like he tweeted out that shit the other night about. Oh yeah, the, when, once the looting starts, the shooting yeah, starts. Yeah, the looting starts starts the shooting starts. And uh I read that and I thought, "Oh my god, you know, this fucking like MC apprentice is like trying to rhyme over here." You know? <laughs> uh but the the horrible thing about it is he actually didn't make that up. No. It's um it's from 67. It's like uh something was going what was it in Miami? Uh they were like protests in Miami. And the police chief said something like, you know, you haven't even seen police brutality yet. You know, we're about to get so violent, something blah, blah, blah. And he was like, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And like that, the fact that Trump was quoting a uh, like a famous racist oppression, you know, from (laughs) from history. Yeah. uh, Which, I mean, just first off, that even knows any history. That's amazing. But but. I'm sure someone fed him it's the a, line. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But like, it's the um, the spirit of it that like, oh, you haven't even seen police brutality yet. You know, I th- I think that's kind of where a lot of the cops are getting today. Like they're they're at this point where they're like, you, like you said, you, Donald Trump is going, oh, Antifa is a terrorist organization now, so it's a terrorist attack. And what it is is they're there's they instead of, I mean, all of these protests, police could have agreed with the protesters and got down there with them and been like, yeah, this is a valid protest and I'm off today and I'm going to protest with you. And and it could have been, it could, it actually could have been peaceful. Which um, to be fair, like just, just, just to give a little bit of like, uh, just, I said, just to be fair in Flint, Michigan, they actually did do that. So that's even happening in places. There are places. In some places. Yes. Uh, I mean, so it's, it's by far the minority, but in a couple of places, um, there was a police chief or whatever who who when the when they met the protesters they took their military garb off and they marched well you know here you know. in um, Texas Art Acevedo he used to be the police chief of Austin he was marching with the protesters in Houston he's their police chief now they had the police chief marching with them so there yeah nice. there are some some people out there that realize that this is that fighting this protest with violence wasn't the right solution and listening to people was the right solution but like we're not seeing that you know in in the white house and now with the um the white house's response they're basically telling the police go ahead you know go ahead be as violent as you want have as much fun as you want right if you see john cusack on his bike and you don't like his movies you know free range to just go beat up an actor you don't like because he's near you and you know or, or just you want to shoot rubber bullets at a reporter and see if you can get her. I mean, we all saw that, that footage the other day. Did, did you see the, the nine-year-old girl that got maced? Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I saw some pictures. Yeah. I didn't know the story. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but I, the only... But it's, and it's not just... It's not, and it's not just... Um, I, mean, I mean, obviously, it, 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 it amplifies everything when it comes from the federal, right? But even like here in Los Angeles, I don't know if any of the, the choppers will be heard, picked up from the mic, but... All night, since about midday yesterday through this morning, I've heard nothing but helicopters above my house because if you follow news where this sort of riot broke out, where the protests become uh, sort of erupted into violence, 
was uh, like a couple miles from my house. It's it's not far at all. In fact, some of my friends live really near there. Yeah. And um, there were some very credible reports from people that said that the cops were placing the cars, the cop cars that were on fire, that some of them would place them ahead of the protesters reaching them and lighting them on fire so that by the time everyone kind of gets around and starts filming it, it looks like they created these fires. But in fact, it was actually the police setting up the protesters like giving like there's actually multiple recorded cases of the police infiltrating um both uh mostly undercover but also like even in plain clothes like instigating the violence and and per- perpetrating the violence to to um uh, to invite the protesters to sort of give in to their anger and like lash out like there's a uh someone recorded like i forget where it was i don't remember if it was in la or not but basically, like, there was this random pallet of bricks in front of a courthouse. Oh, weird. And this guy that's recording it, he's like, I live two blocks from here. I've never seen this pallet of bricks, bricks yeah. here. Where's the construction? Where's that? When there's any of this, why are these bricks here just for no reason? Wow. You know? Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's crazy stuff. I don't want to speculate uh, too much, but there definitely is, like, historical precedence for that sort of thing. So, yeah, maybe, man. Um, yeah, we're so, uh, I guess... Uh, you're listening to the Grindhouse podcast. We're, uh, you know, we are yeah. going to talk about movies today, but uh, it's just like a lot going on. Like Dave just said, I mean, there's helicopters outside of his window, so it's kind of hard for us to just go uh, right into the show today. Uh, it's just a, it's, yeah, it's a strange I, weekend for everyone in America, really. So you're right. Like, it would feel disingenuous to just just talk about a movie and like pretend like the world, like, like two miles from my house, there's not you know violence erupting in the streets yeah. and uh, and by the way we're still in the middle of a, a middle of a pandemic so please if you're out there protesting like you have my full support but please take care of yourself cover your face anyway yeah you should probably cover your face for a couple reasons yeah um, <laughs> you know you know if you if you have the ability to have a hand sanitizer or wipes or water spray i mean getting supplies down there like you know it's you know just we we do this show because we enjoy it and we do this show because you guys seem to enjoy it and um it's about com- creating community and, and maybe a little bit of escapism as well but um sometimes you you can't really escape what's going on outside literally outside your window and um and so maybe today it might be different than most weeks but you know like we've already kind of done we've tied in some movie references and i think um when we get to our mailbag there's a really good question that i think we'll we're really put a bow on this so um you know hope you guys enjoy it hope you guys like what we have to say because uh, you know we're all part of this world that we're living in and um and uh just like we've talked about the pandemic and and how that might affect art going forward i think that uh like do you remember did boys in the hood come out before or after rodney king oh um no i'm not i'm not sure about that i think the LA riots were 93. Uh, okay. So it was before. Yeah. Um, yeah, the LA riots, that's a, that's an interesting, that's, so that's kind of like the other, the last time in my life I've seen something like similar to this on this scale. Yeah. Uh, well, it, not even on the scale. Cause it was pretty much just localized. It was, it was an, that, you know, it was sure. the LA riots, you know, and that, that was this. Yeah. Right. There's some, there's some pretty big differences um, that, I was noticing like back back then that the LA riots were a response to the verdict. Remember that there was that trial all yeah. you know because we all saw the yep. video of those police just 
in, they're in no danger whatsoever. And they're just having a free for all bum rush, just beating the, the hell out of this guy. And, um, there was no question that what they did was wrong. And then they all get, you know, they have this trial, everybody's watching, no charges for anyone, you know, completely acquitted yeah. all across the board. Uh, I think I can't, there may have been something I, I can't remember if they, but I don't remember any, I, it's, I don't remember yeah, them getting, I don't, yeah, I don't remember I mean, them just getting completely acquitted, but, um, and then these riots happen as a response to the injustice. And what I was thinking is about what's going on right now. It's like, we haven't even had a trial yet. You know, this isn't, this isn't a response. Yeah. Well, it's weird because where that was a response to a verdict, this is almost like, why would we even wait? Like, we, like, I mean, I, well, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying, exactly oh, we is. know what the verdict will be because the guy, you know, one of the guys has already been charged. And yeah, we don't know what the verdict. Yeah, but he got charged with third degree murder. Third degree murder is unintentional. It's basically manslaughter. Yeah. And see, that's that's not enough anyway. I mean, that was obviously just uh, some. I mean, that was intentional. But and did you we, know what I'm saying is like, we, has, maybe we okay. don't know what the verdict will be, you know, but uh, it would anybody. I mean, would, would any reasonable person put money you know, like make a bet that the verdict is going to be guilty. I, I don't No, Of, of course, course not. not. I mean, and so, I mean, so look, we don't, we don't again, even have to like, wait for the trials anymore. It's like, we already know what's coming. So, you know, if you're thinking this is just an unreasonable thing, it's, uh, I, I don't know, man, I, I'm seeing way too many people just give their hot takes on this and, you know, just lay it down of like, and you know, people who have no stake in it, who have not, you know, no reason to relate to any of this. You know, I'm talking about just like white affluent people that, well, these are the same people who are bitching about not being able to go play golf and go to the hair salon. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like you, you asked some people during the middle of a virus pandemic to sit at home and wear a mask. If you have to go out and there were protests and there were protests. Uh, what was the city that had like a, was it Michigan where people were, were with full on like semi-automatic weapons yeah. storming uh, the courthouse there, like uh, protesting being kept inside. Yeah, totally. You know, these are the same, these are the same people now who are saying uh, they don't understand the violence. They don't understand the violence. I don't understand. Yeah, that's what's, that's what's infuriating. Like, There's, I'm seeing people saying, you know, look how violent the, the left is. Look how violent they are. And I'm saying, man, just like you're talking about, Dave, like two weeks ago, there were these guys with assault rifles at government buildings. Imagine if the police had handled them with tear gas and rubber bullets yeah. the same way they handled, handled the, uh, the, the the protesters this week. What do you think that would have looked like? Completely different. Yeah. Know, that, that would have been... Oh, that would have been like a war zone, like literally a war zone. Like they had war weapons and they were ready to use them. And if the police would have handled those people in any way like they handled the people protesting... The uh, you know the recent murder of uh, Floyd George, George Floyd. Floyd yeah that would have been just I don't know to, to to claim that one group is more violent when one group gets attacked and the the other group you know it's it's so easy for them just to say like yeah man we're we're so well, peaceful there's like, no one's attacking you you know it was funny because I um. I think that there is a large subsect of people on both sides of the quote unquote aisle who who um, really don't like anything that upsets their standard of living. And that's what's most important to them. I've seen a lot of people who are really upset that the like some shops get busted up. Yeah. You know, 
as though like that's the thing that that gets that is outrageous like in fact speaking of that little girl who got maced um i posted the photo and uh this guy that i i know from the past like he he said like uh what shitty parents to take her to the pro to the right oh my god yeah. To to which I replied, well, first off, they weren't riots; they were protests. Yeah. And by most accounts, these protests have remained peaceful until the police arrived. Yeah. And secondarily, that's your first fucking thought. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. for those who don't know, like I don't know if you've ever been sprayed with pepper spray, but you have to apply it from relatively short range. I don't maybe maybe six feet maybe, right? It's not like a tear gas, which sort of fills the whole area it's it's you know you have to it's a, you have to spray well, it's no, like a, that, i mean I, I finally bought this compressed air you told me to buy yeah and uh it's kind of like this like you you it's a weapon but it, it's, it's direct it, it, it it's does like, like was walking i mean in all it. fairness it, it does have like a pretty big splash i mean like I, there, there was a fight at sure. our school and this cop tried to break it up with pepper spray and uh just about but by all accounts she was sprayed she, yeah she was sprayed yeah yeah so so like it's it's a weird it's a weird upside down mentality when that is your first thought that shitty parents took her to what all, by all accounts should have been if the police did their job a peaceful protest yeah that yeah we've seen that plenty of times too where police just they they don't hold back if there's children there they don't care uh i mean they, they at least that's what it looks like so i believe it well, and it's because it it's because they see I don't I don't know it's weird it's like um it's like a lot of the police force seems to be watching like they grew up on all these uh you guys yeah figure like what's um what's the average age of the cop probably like oh, I don't know twenty five to forty five fifty five something like that it's like they grew up on like uh, all those those schlocky action movies of the eighties and nineties you know and like that's their mentality for their life be with the badge on and with a gun and like. There's just this videos after videos of people just on the sidewalk and the cops coming up to them and shoving them like four feet and then and then putting a hand on their gun the moment other protests sort of gather around. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to think about that a lot when I was, you know, watching the, the cop shows on CBS and Fox and stuff, you know, like because when, when we were kids, you know, back in the 90s, it was all about the, you know, gang violence, gangs and like. Are these yeah, right. are these movies? You know, like you mentioned, Boys in the Hood. Like, are these John Singleton films and stuff? Are they are they influencing kids to want to join gangs? And are they bad for the kids? And you know, and then and then you watch these uh, these cop shows on TV, and it's like they're these are these bad for the cops? Are these is this show a bad influence on you? Know what I mean? Like it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's like and, can't you and know, I, can cops should cops be able to watch shows like this? And and you know should we blame the show when the cop violence got out of the hand? Because these shows will. You know, they, they like they will. Uh, tr so many of these shows treat like constitutional rights violations. You know, cops just roughing people up, t you know, taking their stuff, searching them without a, a warrant as like almost like it's humorous, you know, like, yeah, that's right. This right. Guy, he doesn't play by the book, you know, like that, that not playing oh, like, by the book thing, you know. And yeah. It's how heroes are made. Well, it's like, remember when we, uh, Remember when we talked about the Boomer episode? We talked about like Death Wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that. It's and it's like it's funny because like I'm typically not the kind of person who looks to art as a as a in. Well, it's a weird thing. Like I'm never one to blame art when there's like a mass shooting or something like that, right? right. But but also like strong art does influence society. You know, powerful art influences and can 
uh, um, create movements, you yeah. know, mobilize people. But um, those cop movies are largely like propaganda pieces. Like you remember when Top Gun came out and it was like there was like a surge in people joining the Navy? Yeah, well, no, I mean, I was like five, but, you know, or three. But, but yeah, that's something. what happened. It was like a huge, there was like a huge uptick in like naval recruits when Top Gun uh-huh. came out. And that was kind of why the Navy allowed them to use their facilities because they looked at it as sort of a propaganda, like recruiting right. tool, which it really was. Even even if the movie itself was just, uh, you know, just telling a story, right, probably just took advantage of the of the Navy's um, openness to use their, their planes and what have you. But that's what the result was, right? And a generation of people who grow up on a Chicago PD, NYPD, uh, what are the Law and Order, all those cop shows and lawyer shows that don't really accurately represent what that lifestyle is. I mean, maybe you could look at The Wire if you want to look at something a little bit more realistic, you know? Yeah, The Wire didn't but, make being a police officer look fun. It, <laughs> it looked n- terrible. No. And, and I had a buddy who was uh, very briefly a police officer, and he quit because he was like, I think he was only in it for like six yeah. months. And it was so terrible that he was like, he could just feel like a darkness enclosing him as he stayed in this job. Like he just knew it was going to ruin him as a person. And so he got out as fast as he could. Yeah, it's, uh, I I don't know. I, I have some some people in my family in law enforcement and they, it, it you know, since we were younger, since we were kids, it, it does seem to have done something to their sense of humor. I would say they're not as right, not as much fun as they. But you know that that's just. I mean that's anecdotal. It's just people in my family that I've. You know it's not like, ah, you know every cop. I I, I don't want to do that. I mean there's, I I believe that there's a C A D A B. Yeah, A C A B thing. You know I I believe there's a need for law enforcement. I just don't want to go out here and be like they all suck. Everything's bad. But um. You know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, honestly, I'm not really someone that uh, has much well, of a point of view well, on this stuff because I don't, you know, I just, I, I don't ha- have enough knowledge on it. You know, I, I hate that when I have to do that, but sometimes, you well, know, we, sometimes we're, we're talking about stuff on the show and I just have to say, like, I don't know enough to. Well, man, that's a, that's a powerful thing, though. And I think that's a powerful thing that more people should embrace when you don't know or you don't have a direct dog in the fight or maybe like you can empathize but you haven't directly been the like the recipient of something like it's perfectly okay to say i don't know enough about it or or i don't have enough experience about it and listening and um a lot of people don't do that like you mentioned earlier like all these people with hot takes right don't have a fucking hot take listen if you don't know enough about this okay if you haven't had enough and you've probably had way more real world experiences than a lot of these people with these hot takes um but if you don't have daily fears that that empathize with what some of these people every all these people who are protesting fear then just then just say that and listen and learn and there's nothing wrong with that in fact that's that is the right way to do things, you know. Be a student always, right? You ever heard that? Like in like in sports, I'm a student of the game yeah, yeah. or a student of life. Like you fucking should be, yeah. should be learning all the time. And like, I don't, I think we've told this story on the show before, but we'll tell it again because it's relevant. So <clears throat> one time, Matt and myself and our friend Christopher from the Regrettable Century were were walking, and I think Christopher had gotten like in a fight with his girlfriend at the time, and so we were just like being bros and like hanging out with him, you know, like just talking, you know? And, um, 
back then, this is, I guess, the early early two thousands, maybe even pre nine eleven, maybe. Yeah, it's a, I don't yeah, recall. We were pretty young. Yeah, we're pretty young, and we're just walking downtown, and and um, the this police officer shows up, and he uh, he says, "You guys fit the description of three young men who are slashing tires around downtown." Now, uh, if you've watched our show on YouTube, our avatars are pretty pretty accurate to what we look like, and uh, it'd be hard pressed to find three young men who all have very different looks. That looked also identical to us, you know. So I don't think we fit the description of anyone. I don't think there was a description of anyone. I think the cops just wanted an excuse to pull us over and harass us. Yeah, it could be. And um, yeah. I mean, right. dude, come on. What are the chances? Like, have you ever seen three? What are the chances that three people look like me, you, and Christopher? Well, I think the thing that set me off about that experience was that we were pretty friendly guys. Like we always have been like, even with cops, you know? And so like when he came up and told us that we're kind of like, Oh really? Well, how can we help you? And, and we're, we're, his response was like, get your hands out of your pockets. Don't move. You know, like it was just this like, crazy, yeah, yeah, right like, off the way. Yeah. And it's like, did you not get that? We were just like smiling and talking to you. Like we weren't even like, there was no like resistance or any of that shit. It was just like, whoa man that's a different direction that's what what's your deal what's the problem man you okay you know it was weird it was just like what why would yeah, you do that was, we're obviously very pro- cooperating with you like it, it wasn't even about cooperation it was just like we were just naturally like hi how can we help you we like people you know <laughs> and his yeah, response yeah. was so like don't move you know so that that was when we all started well, like it, okay let's fuck with this guy and 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 yeah we did. and you did take we it for the team hard. it was you, fun you uh <laughs> you, you did get cuffed and put in the back of the cop yeah. car <laughs> which in fair because because this cop was unlawfully sticking his hand in your pocket searching us without a warrant and you said what do you think i have in my pocket a knife to which you then were <laughs> handcuffed and put in the back of the cop car for like 10 minutes until another officer showed up and i guess I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if the other officer cooled him down or yeah. or what. Because remember when that other cop showed up, he kind of like leveled off a yeah, lot. Yeah, it all started dying down. And that and that second one, that was the that was hilarious. Because like after the first guy, you know, the fatty with the mustache, you know, idiot that <laughs> had caused. Okay, what's that? What's the cop? What's the cop from uh, the Simpsons? Yeah, he was. Not too far Chief from Wiggins? Chief Wiggum, yeah, but with just like this dumb yeah. cop mustache, and he just looks so stupid. Mean, he just looks so typical. He's so ridiculous. But like when he finally left, uh, I remember that other guy stuck around and was like, you know, you get, you guys didn't have to give him that that much of a hard time, you know. Like he's he he that really stressed him out, you know. It was like he was trying to kind of say like, uh, you know, I know, like guys, I know that that was stupid, but you know you. You, it could have been over with sooner if you would have just like not gone along with it. You know, it was weird. Well, but uh, you know, then again, again, also though, if you if you're that stressed out, should you be? In no, that hell job? no. That guy didn't belong in his job, and and I think the second cop was a much much better at his job. The second guy that arrived was just like, oh my god, what is this stupid mess that I got, I got called to? And obviously, these kids are doing nothing wrong. I mean, it was so he was just so like connected to reality, and he just kind of diffused the whole thing and sent his his uh, co-worker away and then just kind of talked to us like uh, you might not want to do that again you know when when a cop comes you might not want to treat it like that again yeah sure you know? but, it, but it wasn't but it was weird because it wasn't like he was like oh you know you better not it was more just like 
you know, yeah, that guy's he's kind of crazy, you know. It's <laughs> sorry. Well, and it, and like um have you ever seen there's I think I think it was in the last Chris Rock stand up. It was one of the more recent ones where um part of his bit is that he says, you know, every time there's a a shooting or or violence against uh, African African American men, people say some people say uh, not all cops. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's a few bad apples. But then he goes on to say, but some jobs you can't have bad apples. You know, American Airlines can't be like most of the time our planes land safely. You know, we just have a few bad apple pilots that crash and kill everyone on board. Like, yeah. You can't have that. It would not be acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> right? There's a, like, the, uh, the, the, you know, your local hospital can't be like, most of our doctors are great, but we got a few bad apples that might kill you on the operating table. Yeah. You know, this is just not acceptable thing. So for whatever reason, there's so many people that, um, that are so complacent in their lives that, 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 that they're really going to chalk it up to that. You know, it's kind of the equivalent of like the boys will be boys kind of, uh, excuse that gets thrown around whenever you see like men raping women and and uh, i guess anyone raping anyone really but like specifically men ra- raping women it's just like well boys will be boys you yeah, know uh, yeah or, or uh, what was excuse what was the yeah. president's uh line a uh, locker room yeah, talk? locker room talk what the hell's he even talking about yeah i guess that they i yeah, guess exactly. when you go to like, what play fucking... golf you afterwards you meet in a locker room and like shower with guys and say like really nasty things about women i, I don't know i've never gone to like an ex- like I've, n- I've never played golf at a really expensive resort but i'm sure there's yeah, locker room talk. I, I, yeah, old, sure. Old, and I'm sure when, when people being racist and gross and sexist. It's yeah, <laughs> when people gather gather in in in, uh, in secret, who knows what comes out of their mouth? Well, I think we have a good yeah. idea of it. But uh, it really goes to people not wanting to be inconvenienced, and um, and I think that's why it's really important we're doing this because I'm sure there's gonna be some people who tune in who are like. Oh god damn! I just want to hear their tusk ratings. No, I I don't, you know, I don't know about that. I I mean, if you're listening to the show, you probably like listening to the show. I'm also not sure what we're doing is important, though. I don't I don't want to go and I don't think we should go well, and just declare say, we are doing important work with our podcast. No, I think you know? well, I think this. I think this. I think everyone is incumbent to speak about what they see. And it might be the bare... Well, it's not the bare minimum. The bare minimum is like a hashtag, right? So we're a step above that at least. But, you know, I think that it's important for people to utilize whatever platforms, no matter how small they may be, to speak about injustices because staying silent is being complacent in it. Yeah, I, I mean... And uh, it's it's not, you know, it's not the be-all, end-all. It's, it's not the most important thing, but we'll, we'll, this, is a, this is what this uh, podcast is and we will contribute the best that well, we can. I, yeah, and I think it's just more today it's just that like it would have been hard not to talk about with it going on and yeah, you know exactly. bo- both of our cities have a pretty active thing right now and you know i mean uh they they've been um stopping the freeway uh here in austin yeah get up on the highway. yeah yeah we watched it even yesterday we were chatting and watching that live video feed uh like i saw this photo and um you know, right. That's that has become like that area right there by I thirty five. The main line through town has become this like. I guess it's close to the business district, uh, to the nightclub district. It's it's become like a really trendy place to live, where all the affluent people are in their condos and stuff. And there's this picture. It's hilarious. It's like you you see I thirty five with all the people on it blocking the traffic and the police up there and you know and and the, and the tension and everything. 
and then in the foreground of the picture is like and and someone took this from another building i think they but but there's right. like eight people uh at a rooftop pool and they're all just like up against the uh the wall in their bathing suits standing on like poolside tables and stuff just kind of peeking over you know like they're they're just like taking a break from their lounging day at the pool to to peek over the wall and uh watch people fighting with police you know, down below and it's just it's it's a hell of well, a that, picture man i'll try to find it and send it yeah to you. well you know that's another thing that i want to bring up um because even with even with george floyd it, it, it does seem to be a recurring thing and i guess i kind of understand it but like when you're seeing injustices of any sort right you, you can't just sit there and pull your damn phone out i mean look that is valid Recording these instances is a total valid way of like protecting but others. This but isn't like, that though. This, this is just like like rich white people at the pool just going, "Oh, guys, come over and look at the over the wall." There's like a, a, a protest yeah, going on. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not. Well, why even why that. aren't they going downstairs and joining in in solidarity? The, you know? The, oh aren't my god, like, dude, uh, are you kidding me? The people in the, like the high rise condos <laughs> out by the, in the I mean. I know it's a lot to ask. I know it's an inconvenience. You got to get a towel and put a shirt. On. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I hey, I'm not gonna, um, I'm definitely not gonna, you know, judge anyone for. I'm not joining in. Uh, you're not joining in. I'm not gonna judge anyone for sitting out this thing. Yeah, I mean, it's not, there's well, no reason to. It's, it's it's too dangerous. It's too. I mean, those cops have real weapons, man. The president is tweeting out stuff, bragging about how our we're going to put the our youngest officers up front because they're the craziest and and they're they want action. Sure, I mean, there, I saw there that. Is like no, don't. You, I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I don't think this is something. You know, I, I I'm I, I yeah. If I don't think this is something people should feel bad if they don't want to go out there and do that. You know, we all have lives. No, and, and it's you know, people but it count is, on us and. You know, I, I don't sure. Well, and that's the thing. Like, um, it's a conflicting moment. Like, have you ever seen the Dreamers? No, I don't think I have. Um, Michael Michael Pitt, Eva Green. It's a really good movie. You should check it out. It's about the um, what takes place with the backdrop of the 1960s French Revolution that occurred, all student protesters and what have you. And it's about a young American film fanatic who meets up meets these these uh, French siblings, uh-huh. and he kind of has like a sort of like a long weekend so to speak like a, like a get away like their parents leave and so he shacks up with them and it's like a coming of age film and whatever you know like um, buttoning sexuality and things of that nature but but in it there's um there's this revolution going on and there's this constant push pull between the characters of like joining in with their comrades or just talking about it you know and you're right. A lot of people have different responsibilities. I, I told you off air, like, I would absolutely be there. But Miss Ophelia has made me promise to stay home because she's... I mean, in Australia, they just don't deal with this kind of shit on this level, you know? And, you know, there's like you said, these these the, the National Guard is in Los Angeles. They're fucking... I saw tanks and shit yeah. rolling down uh, in, the, in the news, you know? So there will be bloodshed, unfortunately. And I understand that people are either scared for themselves or their loved ones are scared for them or they've just got responsibilities or whatever it may be but there's but you know but there's other ways to join in and help like there are several organizations that have been set up right now to help these movements you know you can donate your money even if you can't be there in person or or even like you know the you know again the coronavirus didn't disappear because we have our newest 
uh, you know, tragedy. You know, there may be very many people who are like at risk who can't join in. But there are still ways to contribute that are a little bit more meaningful than just uh, gawking. You mm-hmm. know, like it said, if you have the means, and again, not everyone has the means right now when everyone's out of work. But if you have the means, you donate. Um, I've seen people just like bringing supplies, like going to the store, like buying pallets of water and like dropping it off where the protesters are. Oh, yeah. You know, or or offering to pick people up. You know, if they can't get away, because that's the other thing that the that the police state has done is they've like they've uh, in in LA there's a curfew from 8 p.m. to 5:30 a.m. Uh-huh. I believe. And what they did is they basically blocked in the areas where the protests were happening, which makes it very difficult for people to leave. Which means that you're there after curfew, and now you have an excuse to be arrested because you're breaking curfew. Oh, jeez. So what what some people have been doing is saying like, hey, I'll park my car here, like. I'll take as many people as I can home or whatever. So uh, support one another, you know, be kind with one another and, and remember that there's um, that no lives can matter if black lives don't matter. You know, you see that all the time. Those people with their with their clever retorte, with their all lives matter. And it's like, listen, if if African-American men predominantly, but also women are being like are living in fear, are being killed disproportionately unnecessarily flagrantly you have a right to use your voice and um, we are incumbent to support them in the best way that we can even if even if the best thing we can do is listen you know I've been I think I said to you the other day like I've been pulled over for being brown like five or six times in my Mm. life maybe more but definitely for sure that I could point to where I know that there was nothing else right and, uh, and by the way, not only by white cops, all cops, because cops, there's something about the police department where like your color of skin no longer matters when you're, once you're a cop, you're like blue skin, you no, know? I, I don't know. But I just feel like it is. Like I've seen, I've been, I remember I got pulled over once, was pulling out of an art show downtown. And uh, you know, like um, I don't have automatic lights on my car. So like, you know, when you're kind of, you exit into a brightly lit area you don't always notice your um your headlights aren't on right away oh yeah yeah like you yeah, might especially, not. yeah especially in big so, cities you can drive around for like a quarter totally. mile and just not even notice it yeah totally right so i pulled out and i and i hadn't turned my headlights on and so i turned but as soon as i got onto the street i could tell my dashboard was dim and so i turned it on and a cop pulled me over and he was accusing me of drinking and driving and threatening to pull me out of the car and he was another hispanic yeah. dude you know but harassing me the same way you know and um, it's just something that we all, some of us all live with, and maybe all of us live with at one moment or another, you know? And um, I, I really, I'm really proud to see how many people are like using their voices to stand up for it, you know? Uh, putting themselves at risk even, you know, to, to stand with their brothers and sisters and push back, you know? We would love it all to be peaceful, but that's not always the choice given. And I support that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like I said, it could have been peaceful. I mean, they, it, it could have. They could have been treated with the same respect as the. Uh, you know, the, the term I like going around is vanilla ISIS. You know, the the, the Michigan people you're talking about. <laughs> the like, I want a haircut, and I brought my thirty round, you know, carbine clip. Right. You know, <laughs> it's a, you know, assault rifle. Like uh, they they those they could have been treated with the same respect that those people get. 
they could have been listened to. They could have been supported, uh, respected. I mean, it's there's a lot of changes, a lot of a lot of decisions that uh, led to where we're at right now. And um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, but yeah, from from our, our point uh, of view, it uh, really looked like people trying to have a peaceful protest yeah. and get in, and they were denied. They were denied a peaceful. Well, protest. David, uh, the director David Venable, whom we've had on a show before, he was in Dallas, and he absolutely was there on the ground level, and it was peace. At least from his perspective, and from the perspective of people he knew personally who were also there, it was peaceful until the police arrived. And um, same thing with here. Like I had friends who were at the the Fairfax and. Beverly, um, right there at that corner, that intersection where all that kind of stuff went yeah. down. There's like a, a, a very bougie mall that's called The Grove. And um, Leah, actually, has Leah been on this show? Yeah, she was. She was on a game, one of the Game of Thrones yeah, episodes. Yeah, that's right. So Leah, Leah Martin-Brown, singer of her Evil Walks, like she and her roommate were there, you know, and again, it was very peaceful in the beginning. And then the police arrived and they started shooting rubber bullets at everyone. So luckily they were able to get out of there and they were safe. But uh, unfortunately, not everyone is so lucky. So um, stay strong and protect one another. These are weird times. I hear the helicopter overhead now. And, um, you know, use your voice and use your art. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, create. There was a really great mural. In fact, maybe I'll post it on the page. There's a really great mural that someone made of, um, of George Floyd, you know, and um, there's several sort of. You know, like when people die, there's like a little memorial that, you know, people put flowers and what have you. And this community did that. And there's a little girl in front basically asking like, hey, like value our lives. Right. And um, both in the movie, it reminded me so much, even almost in appearance of uh, a scene both in the Crater Will Rock and also in the movie Frida, where Diego Rivera was commissioned to paint a mural on the Rockefeller Center in the lobby. And um, he painted a, a very leftist sort of themed mural, and it was a, he was eventually like a fired, and you see it like chipped down, you know, torn away because he he painted Lenin in within a group of protesters in his uh, in his mural. Yeah, that's, a, that's but, actually um, a, a fresco, a uh, plaster painting. Yeah, it's a very yeah. famous one. Yeah, it's a, but yeah, it's like it's yeah, super communist. Re- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he redid it later, like somewhere yeah. else where it was a, a, able yeah. to stand up. But um, it, it, it signifies the power of art, you know, and, uh, and, and art, you know, art can either be commercialized, it can be the spectacle, or it can be something more meaningful. And um, I guess it depends on the intent of the, the, the paintbrush holder, so to speak, you know, regardless of what your paintbrush may be. I'm never good at political art. I've, I've tried it. I... Um I think the last one I did was uh, we had this really egregious uh, anti-choice, you know, anti-abortion bill here in Texas. And um, I uh, put out a, uh, a drawing I did of the governor and the lieutenant governor, and um, they were eating turds out of a cat box, you know, out of cat litter. Like they, were, <laughs> like they just looked like uh, they were in their suits, you know, like 
dress. Do you still have that? I still have it. Yeah, it's out there somewhere. I mean, maybe maybe we'll put it on the Instagram or something. But it was a uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Send it to know, me. Uh, Rick Perry. You might recognize recognize him now. I think he's like like the head of energy or something for Trump, the Trump administration. He's doing, he's got some you know some job he doesn't deserve. Alive. But like uh, yeah, it was him and the the lieutenant governor at the time, and they were just like. You know, they looked all dazed and they're they they had like poo all over their faces and they were just like eating turds out of the cat box. And, and I was like, yeah, that, that'll show them. That's there you go. Yeah. Politics. I don't know, man. I think that's a great political art piece. <laughs> I'll dig it up. I'll, you know I'll what you should do? Yeah, you should you should do like a 3D sculpture of like a, a fetus with like a AK forty seven or something like that. You know? Oh man, something just uh, that that's already been done. It's only, uh, thing, it's only two things they seem to care about. No, there's there's an episode of uh, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell on Adult Swim where um, oh really? <laughs> you know, because when when uh, fetuses uh, get aborted, they um, you know they're they're not like born again or saved. You know, like Christians like you know what I'm talking about. Like Christians are like you get saved. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So you can go to heaven. Oh. Wait, why not? Uh, well, because they never because they like never a, got to go to he, church and learn about it so they all go to hell yeah but i thought I, and um i thought like a like, well, like this, i can this, understand this the is Catholics a comedy show that. now keep that in mind but okay all right all <laughs> but right. uh no it's I'll just turn my logic brain off it's a it's a really funny episode where where all the uh, aborted fetuses in hell um start exercising their uh, second amendment rights and uh, get assault rifles and um it things get like <laughs> and, but, but yeah it's literally just like bloody fetus puppets with assault rifles like getting in gunfights with demons it's, right. if you haven't seen your pretty face is going to hell yet that's a fantastic show uh but yeah um that's probably probably a little too much brevity for what we're talking about today but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's it's, 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 it's a good one. well again i think you know we the only thing that we can do from using our our microphones as our paintbrush is to just at least shine a spotlight on what's going on and sort of talk about some of our personal experiences within it and what we're witnessing and and to let everyone who listens because this show uh, we're recording on Sunday it's gonna be released tomorrow I'm sure I'd be shocked if this was not still going on by the time you guys listen and we just want to let everyone know who's out there protesting either in person or online or whatever method that you can, that we support you. We love you guys. Stay safe, protect yourself, protect your comrades, your friends, your brothers and sisters. You know, we are all in this together. Like that was the slogan that like everyone was using with, for COVID, you know, yeah. like we're all in this together. Like, no, we're all in this together. This is what we're into together, right? The virus was just something that happened. This is the, there are protests all over the world. I just heard of some in the UK now. So like, this is not just like we referenced the 1992 uh, riots. This is not localized. This is globalized. This is an opportunity to push back on something that has been slowly encroaching upon us for, well, forever, but certainly within our lifetimes for decades. And we support you guys. The Grindhouse podcast supports you guys. Um, Please, you know, take care of yourself and be as peaceful as you can. But, um, you know, if you're if you're backed against the wall, do what you need to do to get out and get safe. Yeah, well, we we were going to talk about uh, the, um, the the musical Hedwig and the Angry Inch today. Uh, that was a plan. We should see uh, that. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a it's a musical uh, rock and roll opera, I guess, that's meant a lot to us uh, our whole lives. And so we were going to talk about that today, but um, shit's crazy, y'all. So I guess we didn't really get to it, but. Uh, we um we still have time for we'll save it. questions for sure. Yeah, we're just yeah. definitely yeah. definitely want to do some questions. Yeah. All right. Questions from the crypt. 
Longtime Grindhouse fan Sam V. Blair asks, who is your favorite special effects artist? Hello, Sam. Uh, I got, I, I don't know if he, okay, I don't, like, I don't know how close Sam Raimi's connection is to his special effects in his films, okay. but there's always, like, a style with Sam Raimi films, like, uh, uh, Evil Dead and, um, you know, Drag, Drag Me to Hell and stuff that I really love. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's something like, like, the monsters kind of have, like, bug eyes. Uh, it's something weird, like, they always have these, like, right, big right. bulging, but, yeah, I love, uh, so... Is it? Do you know, Dave? Is is it, is it, would Sam Raimi be the guy for, or is it like some? Is it somebody on his team that I that I'm a fan of? So when when um when Sam Raimi was making his earliest of films, he it was really him and a very small group of people. Yeah. You know, there was a there was famously I think um who was it? It was a uh, uh, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi like would flip flop on as to who would direct and who would star. Okay. You know, like when they were like coming up together, like if uh, if Bruce Campbell directed something, like Sam Raimi would act in it, and if and vice versa. And so it just so happened that Sam Raimi's was the, the the guy who got famous for being a director, and so it sort of launched Bruce Campbell into the the trajectory of just being an actor or predominantly being an actor. But part of this this group was also Tom Sullivan, who went on to do um, he didn't do a lot of stuff, in fact. He did. Uh, he did the, the Evil Dead, and he did a lot of his early shorts. And he did the um, Evil Dead Two. He also did uh, an Army of Darkness. He also did the Fly Two. Oh, nice. He worked on the oh, Fly yeah, Two. He worked on uh, Jason Goes to Hell, the Final Friday. So, so you know, he's he's sort of been a guy who was sort of an indie filmmaker. But you're right. Like he worked in really close collaboration with Sam Raimi to create a look that I think is sort of indicative of him. Like we always think of. Um, like a Tim Burton guy who, who like, if you saw a piece of his art, like, you'd recognize it right yeah, away, yeah. right? Um, I think I think in the same way, Sam Raimi has that sort of same yeah, vibe. Yeah, it's definitely a style. Um, I think, I don't know if I could not mention Tom Savini. Well, yeah, he's the master. You know, you know not only not only as a, as a special effects person, but also as a director, you know? Um, you know, he directed... Did you ever... Did you watch um, the evil... The Dawn of the Dead... No, I'm sorry. Night of the Living Dead uh, remake. The one in the from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I like it a lot. It's, fa- it's fantastic, fantastic. And Tom Savini's done stuff since like, uh, I mean, he directed and, and did that. He did from the Dust from Dawn series. He did um, Zach and Miri make a porno. He oh sorry, this is acting credits. Let me just. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's been acting in a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Killing Zoe. Oh, I did a movie called Saving Zoe. I was very confused. <laughs> um, he did one. He did a lot of the. So, so what Tom Savini's most well known for is Friday the Thirteenth. That's probably he did the Creep Show as well. He did um, Day of the Dead. He did the special effects for. He did Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. I mean, just like one one like famous movie after another. And also, if you're like a wrestling fan and you watch uh, WWE, he also did like uh, the Fiend's Mask. I don't know if, huh. if you still watch the wrestling. Yeah, no. I haven't seen that. Yeah, kind of cool stuff. But he also had a pretty cool role in From Dust Till Dawn with the, as the dude with the, 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 the groin gun. Sex Machine. Yeah, Sex yeah, Machine. That was, that was so, awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Tom Zavini as my favorite special effects artist. What was that? He was also in um, Planet Terror? I want to say like uh wasn't he yes. like the the badass he was mercenary one of the, uh, that they get to no like... no he oh no no sorry so he um no in planet terror 
he was one of the bumbling constables who gets his finger cut off. And then he goes to put his ring back on and like his finger's been chopped off by a, a sicko. But but he did play that mercenary thing in machete maybe yes that's what i'm thinking of yeah they were like this yeah. is the guy that can get machete and like man yeah, so yeah he's yeah. doing like those those really hard fingertip push-ups and stuff like he, yeah he is, <laughs> dude, is dude he's beast. jacked yeah totally so so tom savini he's the man that's my choice what do we got next edward guadalupe stegman asks are there any films that you loved when you were younger and still consider your favorite maybe even your top five or top ten but can't really watch or have trouble sitting through now damn that's a good question yeah uh i mean yeah there's definitely one um and the only reason i can't watch it now is because i've seen it recently and i have to you know it's 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 become something that i have to give it time and because i can't forget any of the jokes now like i remember them all so i just kind of now yeah i i let myself have enough time pass that i can forget the order of the joke so at least i'm a little bit surprised but okay yeah it's coming to america eddie murphy i think it's a perfect oh. comedy it's like one of the best it's great funniest movies i've ever seen it, every time i watch it i laugh so hard and uh but it's yeah unfortunately it's gotten to the point where it's pretty much memorized now so um i have to get get a little distance in between my viewings you know let let at least like a at least a, a year or so pass nowadays before i can watch it again and be like oh sweet coming yeah. to america you know it's it's just great i love the movie i heard they're making a sequel or something too so is he coming back for it Eddie Murphy? i think so yeah I mean, you'd have to, right? Like, there's yeah. I, I don't even like know what they son. would do. Yeah, it could be something like, well, that. he's like the James Earl Jones character. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah. something like that. I don't know. Yeah, could be cool. Be cool. Um, I think there's a couple movies that are on my list, and it's not that I can't watch them or I can't sit through them. It's just that they're intense films, and so like sometimes you got to be in the mood, right? I, I've talked a lot about John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. It's not a movie I watch very often because it's so impactful like it's kind of really like i can watch horror movies and really not be affected very much but like that's one of the ones that i do feel just very uncomfortable afterward and so i have to be sort of in a certain set of like state of mind before i can go back and watch it another movie is like um dark city oh yeah you know it's such it's such a mind bender that again i love it it's a near perfect movie in so many ways but like unlike say the crow which i can watch all the time which was also directed by Alex Proyas, which is one of my favorite directors of all time. Dark City is so heady that, um, y- again, you got to be in the right space. You got to be paying attention. You got to be in a, in a place to pay attention and to listen, kind of like we were talking about earlier, like really absorb it because it's not just a flick that you, it's not like coming to America where you can, where like in your instance, it's like, cause you know it so well, you got to give it a break so that you can enjoy it again. Yeah. And this one, it's like, it's like, you got to pay attention because even if you've seen it a million times, you're just going to miss so much. Huh. And like, it's not just a flick you can put on and kind of zone out. Well, maybe so, I need to watch Dark I would City say, again. I, I, there may have been a lot oh, of stuff so I good. haven't noticed then. I never realized that. Uh, it's great. It was one of those movies also that it was one of the first movies that I think, I guess it wouldn't have been the first movie. I remember seeing it by myself in theater. Yeah. Remember, uh, what was that theater by my high school? It's like a, the cinema six or something or four. I yeah. Don't know. yeah. Maybe I think it's four. a laser tag now. Uh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it used to be an art house. For for a little while, before they opened the big Cinemarks and the AMCs in our hometown, it was like one of the bigger theaters because it had like four screens or maybe six. I forget. Mm. I remember I saw like the remastered Star Wars there. And then when the big chains opened up, it became something of an art house theater. You know, like the Gropier I saw there and Dark City I saw there. 
and uh, it was right across the street from my high school, so I could just pop over right after school. And um, yeah, it's it's worth it's worth going back and watching. It's uh, it's a lot of stuff going on there, and um, so it may not be a movie that I can see all the time, but when I'm in the mood for it, I'm just as blown away as I was when I saw it in theaters. All right. All right. Question number three. Ramona Perez Trevino Whittington asks, what, if any, obligation does film have in addressing the current social climate? And if there is an obligation, how is that accomplished given the current disproportionate demographic makeup of the film industry as a whole? So I have a lot to say on this. Matt, do you want to go first? Your beautiful wife uh, asked a very, a very appropriate question for today's show. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for, for me, I, w- I would say the, the obligation is... There's, I mean, there's, I don't know if it's an obligation, but there's going to be a demand for people wanting, wanting films to tell the stories of what has happened and to tell story, you know, and not, not just the big, you know, overarching like story of it all, but you know, the, the small stories, the things inside, like all, all the different, I mean, there's so much happening this weekend. I, I think there's gonna be a lot of content to draw from. And so, uh, I think that there's a, a lot of opportunity there to tell a lot of stories. I think that the demographic problem right now could could actually be helped by this because people aren't going to want these stories to be told by people who have no place telling the stories people who have no connection you right. know those those eight people i talked about that are hanging out at the pool today watching the the protests from the top of the you know pool top uh, rooftop pool you know like maybe i mean they, they live in a swanky uh, downtown condo maybe they're film people and you know they they I don't want to hear their point of view of the story, you know, from the, the top of the roof, you know, <laughs> I don't want to hear what they have to yeah, say, yeah. you know, uh, let them go make some other films. I, I, I want to hear, I want new filmmakers that, you know, were there who, who had family members who were there who had to bail people out. I, I, so, so yeah, maybe there, there's going to be a lot of good opportunity for, for new stories to come out of this and be told by, whole new sources that haven't gotten a chance yet because the, because there should be a demand for that there should be a, a demand for you know a realistic point of view from people who actually know what they're talking about yeah and for me my feeling is um man art is creating art is so hard you know it's just hard it's a very difficult process it's years of learning a craft it's uh it's hours spent slaving away whether it's a painting or it's a sculpture a sculpture or it's a film or it's a song like it takes time it's hard it's a hard laborious thing um you know i'm sure matt you you know more than anyone like staring at the blank slab is one of the most difficult things to do like so many people start and stop their art career at that blank page or at that blank block of clay or whatever it may be because they just can't find the inspiration or motivation or the the dedication whatever it may be and um so if you're going to put all that effort into creating art why not create something that resonates with the time that you're living in now that doesn't mean it has to be a movie about the protest or it has to be uh, a painting about uh injustices against african-american men or the African-American community as a whole. It doesn't have to be that overt, you know? Not everything, not every song has to be Fuck the Police by NWA. Yeah. But it can still be, you can still tap the pulse of the environment that you're living in, in your art, right? In your work. Find a way to make it relevant and, um, and, and say something with your art. 
And I, I just don't know how you could be living in this and not have some opinion on what's going on. And then you're right. There may be some people who maybe shouldn't, or I won't say shouldn't voice their opinion. There are probably people's perspectives that would really be better highlighted than others right yeah. now. But um, as in general, I do have, I have always believed that, um, you know, there's two famous thoughts on art that art shows a mirror to society and that um, uh, art is a hammer in which to shape society. And I've often held, and I've said it before, that it's both. Okay. Art is a mirror that's held up to society, but in your other hand, you have a hammer in which to smash that and redo it. And I think art can do both. It can do one or the other, um, but it has a very important role to play in not only um, you know, chronicling a certain time, but also potentially affecting it. You know, uh, we talked about Diego Rivera. We talked about those, those schlocky cop movies. I mean, you know, art has been littered with pieces that influence people one way or another. So if you understand the power that it has behind it with great power comes great responsibility. One of my favorite philosophers of all time, Mr. Stan Lee said that, and I, I believe it. Um, as to how to do that with the disproportionate number of color people of color and women in positions of power within the film industry, man, that's something that I struggle with all the time. I, I'm part of the the Latino committee with the DG with the Directors Guild of America, and we just had a conference uh, Friday, and um, a, a young filmmaker who might have worked with in the past when he was doing like EPK stuff, when he was doing like digital shorts, he's got a show called Gentrified on Netflix that he wrote and developed and did as a web series first and eventually got it picked up by Netflix. And, you know, of course, he's a Latino and, and people were asking, like, how do, you, how do you cast the net to get more Latino directors, writers, producers involved in work that gets seen? And the answer is you just got to keep fighting for it. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. I, I remember I sat across the table of an Anglo-Saxon man who told me and an Asian woman that being white in Hollywood was the hardest thing you could possibly be. I think I remember you telling me that story. Yeah. And it wasn't like, he wasn't being funny. He wasn't like doing a rib. He, he literally felt that being a white man in Hollywood was the most difficult thing you could be in the world. And so how do you overcome that? You know, the, the only answer, you're never going to change certain people's minds. Although you can make a valiant attempt with your art. But I think that you have to just keep pushing, pushing to give opportunities to people who um, who don't get them. Like you said, new voices, relevant voices, younger voices. Yeah. You know, youth is one of those things that sometimes gets like forgotten. You know, when we're when we're trying to when we're trying to further diversify. But like young means something. You know, young artists mean something. And yes, it takes time to develop skill set. But you know what? A young artist with the right mindset surrounded by people who have been doing it for a little bit longer can create some pretty amazing things because it's their perspective that makes the piece of art fresh, you know? So, uh, yeah, I think it's incumbent. I think if you're an artist, um, you should you should understand the power of your brush, your brush stroke, and, um, and do the best you can to affect change for the positive and the best way that we can do that is to give opportunities and to shine spotlights on people of color, women, LGBT, um, young people, 
and on and on and on. Any anyone who is not sort of the the cookie cutter standard for what every fucking movie is looking like, this is how you um this is how you do that. This is how you get more relevant cultural art is you give other people opportunities to do more than play the maid or the gangbanger or whatever the fuck stereotype they like to pigeonhole us into so you just have to keep fighting that's really it just like those people on the streets just keep fighting keep pushing keep fighting you know hold hold strong your resolution and if you believe in it and you keep pushing for it change will start to happen and we've seen it before and, uh, you know, I was talking to my dad and he, I was asking him if he was safe. And he was like, yeah. And I said, I hope that this affects some change. And he said it took 10 years. It took basically a decade to get a big, a big upheaval in the 60s. Yeah. So uh, what you're seeing outside may just be the beginning of our 60s, maybe the beginning of our revolution, you know, and uh, be, be contribute to that in a positive manner. You know, the, the, the change for the positive will affect everyone in a way that will make our lives more enriched. So, yes, that's it. Do it. Make it happen. Don't wait for it. Just create it. Create your own platforms. You know, don't wait for the Netflixes. Create your own Netflix. And and put your art out there and, and uh, let it let it change the world for the better because it has it has always had that ability. Still, well, all that being said, I I foresee a film called something like Riot or something with uh, Scarlett Johansson <laughs> starring it and in the trailer. Oh, you've God, got that. yeah. This is my fight song playing. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson playing George Floyd or something fucking uh, <laughs> offensive like that. But you know what? Actually, you know what? Actually, I just thought just in the course of this podcast, I, I thought, man, like someone who's a much better writer than me, <coughs> Coughophilia, should write like, a, um, like the stories. Like a, you ever seen like New York stories? New York stories are those those uh, little clips on the internet of uh, they talk to people and is that is it like no it's a, on the street kind of thing is it no okay. it was a it was a film that was composite of like several shorts from like uh, Fra- uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese and um, I think uh, Tarantino did one like that too Four Rooms you've seen Four Rooms Four Four Rooms yeah with uh, okay yeah, so like, Antonio Banderas so, uh, uh, yeah so you know how like each short was directed by a different filmmaker so i think it'd be really interesting especially during this quarantine time if you've got a camera and a zoom mic which is relatively inexpensive to record like you know a bunch of filmmakers doing some shorts about like living during the riots Mm. of 2020 you go yeah you know what like short five minute or ten minute you know film of like your perspective on living in an era of pandemics or more murder hornets forest fires a fascist president and in protest, violent protest on the streets. Like, I'm sure you've got a perspective, right? People have perspectives. Yeah. Put that together. Like, get you and your homies to do a little, their little clip and, and stitch together and put it on the internet. Like, you know, let your voice be heard. Absolutely. And, uh, change will follow. Well, I guess that comes, we're kind of at the end of our, uh, our time here. We want to thank you guys for staying with us on this kind of unique podcast i mean maybe i'll do a little intro at the very very beginning just sort of let people know what's up but um people yeah (laughs) Yeah. maybe (laughs) apologize but it's (laughs) but you know i think it was important i think it was important for this episode with everything that's going on to just be a dialogue you know you and i grew up in the punk rock scene and there's a certain ethos that comes with that and while we may 
as and I speak to everyone, we may not all see eye to eye in every single political uh, ideology that exists, but I think at the end of the day, we can all remember the very basic, bare minimum tenet of punk rock. When someone falls down in the pit, you stop and pick them up and you take care of one another. And that's what we have to do right now in this society. Stop and pick someone up when they fall. Until next time, guys, this is David Matt for the Grindhouse Podcast. Adios. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Viva La Revolution Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now on YouTube.